Welcome to AOL. Welcome to AOL Underground. Can we state your handle and the years you were active on AOL? Yeah, my name is uh, Mike Killingbeck. I went by Posse for us and slapped you on AOL. I begged my mom around 95 or 96 to sign up for AOL. You said that like you begged your mom. So did you have a disc or something or did your mom have the disc or how that worked? Uh, yeah, it actually kind of falls into one of the other questions there. I was doing BBSs and all that because I just finished building my first computer from a bunch of parts I found at a used computer store. We had gotten an AOL disc in the mail and I like I had no idea what it was, so I like installed it just after I got my first copy of Windows ninety five, which was on like thirty thousand discs. It was crazy. But yeah, it was uh I begged my mom to start an account so I could check this out because it looked a lot different than the BBSs I was on. So yeah, that's how it started. What was the BBS scene like? BBSs were um the old bulletin board systems you would call any local number or long distance number and get on and you'd have to use a terminal telnet or something like that. And then you'd have like your old ASCII colors and all that kind of stuff. And there was menus. You had all these kind of games. You had like a certain amount of time you could be on it and then you'd have to like log off so you could let the next person come on. Yeah. I was exploring a bunch of those before that. Oh, wow. So people took turns. Yeah, yeah, because it was a single line. Well, in most of them that I called, they were all single lines. So sometimes the uh, administrator would uh, send you a message. Hey, you, you got to get off now. Somebody else wants to get on. So <laughs> you'd have to log off. I saw something like they would like watch you sometimes too and like see what you were doing, like, like what like menus you were clicking and stuff. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, there was the one that I frequently called. And I mean, I can't remember the name now, but. The guy who uh, ran it, his name, first name was John anyway. He would sit there every time a call would come in. He would sit there and kind of watch what you were doing. I mean, not spyingly like, but because he had to be there because he uh, had a bunch of CD-ROM drives. So you could request him to change the CD-ROM drives so you could try a different game or whatever. So he kind of sat there and watched. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I assume there was some social interaction on that through like the forms and stuff, but... Going from that to AOL, like what was your experience like the first time you got an AOL? Oh, it was like overwhelming. I mean, excitement plus being overwhelmed with all the different possibilities. I remember the first time I installed it, it was AOL 4 the very first time and got on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was It was kind of, it was overwhelming for me because I wasn't used to that. I was used to like DOS windows and terminals and stuff like that. So Windows 95 and uh, AOL were, were kind of like overwhelming at first. When did you become aware of like the scene, proggies and stuff like that? Oh gosh, I don't know. I think uh, I was kind of just exploring like channels in the people connection. It would allow you to explore channels like wars and wares and software and stuff like this and names that were spelt with numbers. And I was like, what the hell are those? So I, I clicked into one. I don't remember what it was. It was some kind of wares channel. 
But I clicked into that and like within like one or two minutes of getting in there, I got like hammered with instant messages that froze my computer up completely. I had to actually like shut the power off and restart. And I was like, what the hell was that? So once I restarted and went back on, I, I jumped back into the same channel and I asked, what was that? It killed my computer. And then everybody started telling me about it. And it was at that point where I was like, oh, I want to do that. I, I want to write those. I want to make that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, that's how I got started with that. Just some dude just being a dick and <laughs> punted me off. So that's how it started. That's funny. That's how it starts for a lot of people. So then you got punted off. You realized you wanted to make the programs. Had you programmed before or you just decided I'm going to learn how to program? Uh, it was like 1982 or 1983. My dad brought home a VIC-20 for us. It was, I don't know, maybe Christmas gift or maybe a gift for himself. I don't recall, but I remember like standing in the doorway, watching him like hammer away on the keyboard of this thing and him swearing and like, you know, like, throwing this book around because he couldn't get whatever the hell it was he was trying to do to work. And uh, after he was done with that, I kind of went in there and sat down and started reading the manual, and I punched out the basic to make this game. It was a, it was a tank at the bottom, and then there was this UFO across the top. You had to shoot the UFO down. But I, I made it work the first time, and I told my dad... And then after that, I started playing with BASIC for a little while until the next year, my mom bought me an Atari 2600 and kind of forgot all about the VIC-20 after that. So that, that was the only time I had uh, I'd got into any sort of programming was back then when I was like five, six years old for BASIC, but it only lasted about a year. Hey, a year's a long time. Yeah, yeah. I got into... Uh, Visual Basic 3, just because of AOL, I hadn't touched any sort of programming since then. Matter of fact, like growing up, I kind of thought computers were for the nerds, you know, because I, I listened to like metal and death metal and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I don't want to be a nerd. So I never really played with them in school at all. But I, I, I had that lingering interest for them because it was fascinating. How old were you then when you started using Visual Basic? Older than most of the people at the time. I think it was 18. Okay, so you're like 18 and you're like, Mom, I need AOL. And then you're like, oh, Visual Basic. Yeah, yeah, because like, you know, I would drive. I lived in a little small one-horse town about an hour away from the city. So Wait, wait, what's a one-horse town? A one-horse town is basically just a tiny little town where like you walk outside and you've already experienced the entire neighborhood. Just small, only a few people, a couple houses. Is there like a general store or a post office? Yeah, we were lucky enough to have a general store. And inside the general store was a post office. So like we had all everything. That's all we needed. You know, it was just a small place. The BBSs you called, was it like just some dude down the street or like was it long distance? Uh, well, we are lucky enough to be within a certain range of the, the major city so that our uh, our phone calls to the city were not considered long distance. So we were lucky enough there. But yeah, the, the person I would call for the BBS was in, was in the big city. Okay. So one horse town, got AOL, visual basic. Mm -hmm. Go on. Yeah. yeah, you needed a credit card in order to do it. I didn't have a credit card, so I had to beg mom. 
<laughs> awesome. So mom fixed it all and got you online. And you're like, this is sweet. Someone punted you off. You got Visual Basic. How did you learn how to go from there? I remember um, going through all the wares channels and asking people, how do I make these programs? And then one day you get the old, you've got mail. And in there was a zip folder with Visual Basic in it. And I was like, what the hell is this? So I like open it up and look at it and start it up and run it. And I was like, oh, this is the thing. This is what I need. So I think I basically just started off of what I could find through all the chat rooms, just asking how do I do this? How do I do that? Can somebody send me uh, examples? Somebody send me links to tutorials and stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure that's, that's the way I did it was just reading, trying and learning, failing lots. But you didn't give up. Oh no, heck no. I think I kind of mastered Visual Basic 3. You couldn't really do much with it on 32-bit uh, versions of AOL 4. You couldn't do anything, right? You had to have a 16-bit version. So that's I downgraded to uh, AOL 3.0. So I spent most of my time on AOL 3.0 because I only had Visual Basic 3 until a couple of years later when I finally bought VB4 that had a 16-bit and a 13-bit version with it. So Whoa, you bought it? I bought it, yeah. I worked and saved and bought it because I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be elite programmer. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting. So you didn't like go to the warehouse rooms to find it? You'd like, I'm going to buy a legit copy? Yeah, I'm going to buy a legit copy. I've always been the kind of person where like, if I can't afford it, I don't think I really deserve it kind of thing. So I like to make sure that I buy everything that I have. But I mean, it doesn't always happen. Some stuff is like so expensive that, I mean, you kind of resorted to going the bad way with it. So yeah, like Adobe or 3D Studio Max. <laughs> yeah, like Adobe or any of those other things. Right. So what kind of programs did you make? The, the punters were the things that like really intrigued me. I was like, I want to do this. So I, I started learning how to do, how to code those punters. And working with Windows API, 32-bit, 16-bit. It was about a, a year or so of making little punters with myself. And uh, a friend that I had met, I, I can't remember his name. I, I wish I could. I mean, I know his his real first name is Chris, and he uh, he lived in Colorado, Denver, Colorado. So, Chris, if you remember me, if you're out there, you got to hit me up on Discord. But yeah, it was him and I, and we kind of just spent our a few years just chatting and talking about coding and programming and stuff like that. So we basically taught each other how to do that. I started making a program called Pepsi Punter, not related to the actual Pepsi program that was already out there. I kind of released mine after that without even really knowing it was available until after. So I don't know if mine actually got out there or not, but... Yeah, I made a Pepsi punter, and I, I remember spending like three or four months making this dang program and spending a good two weeks trying to draw an ASCII can with Pepsi on it. That would be my main scroller for the program. So yeah, Pepsi punter. Did you complete it, the ASCII art? Yeah, I did. I completed everything. I put it out there to wear sites. Do you still have it? Actually, No. Not that I'm aware of, but I do have an old hard drive that's like super old that I 
I'm pretty sure it's on there, but it's not recognized by anything anymore. It still spins up and all that. So I might have to do the freezer trick. I recommend a program called Test Disk, something DFIR that differs. Use the digital forensic incident response. There's a bunch of tools you can use. Yeah, Test Disk, I have that. No, I. I did try it, but uh, the problem was that sometimes the uh, hard drive would be recognized, sometimes it wouldn't. It was just weird. Every time it was recognized by the system, then you wouldn't find anything. You wouldn't engage the arm, but you could hear it trying to work and stuff. So I don't know. Might have to do like a platter swap or something, find another drive like it. Whoa. That is, that's way beyond my knowledge, man. <laughs> yeah. Mine too, but hey. Interesting. There's some folks I think in the Discord that do like digital forensics for like a living. We should probably just throw it to them because otherwise I'll just I'll speculate all day. So yeah. Okay, so you made the Pepsi punter, mm. and it had the sweet can, but there's also a competing Pepsi one. Yeah. Did you spread your program to a lot of people, or was it just you or and your buddy, or what? Well, I kind of dropped it in a in a FTP site from uh, AOL so I don't even know if it's out there or not it was just after I I had uh, released it we ended up moving so I hadn't gotten back on uh, AOL for quite a few years after that so I don't know what happened to it if it got anywhere I don't know if anybody's seen it I did try searching for it but wait so how many years were you on AOL then uh, three, three and a half, maybe four from 1996 ish to, uh, 1999. Got it. Besides programming, did you get into anything else on AOL? Not really. No, just, just programming, coding, writing scrollers, room busters, punters, stuff like that. I didn't, I didn't get too deep into, uh, anything else about it. I, I was pretty much satisfied with what I was doing seems like you have pretty fond memories of AOL from that time. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So what was enjoyable about it? Well, mostly it was like, like it's just, I don't know, it was just a, a relaxing place to be. Like you could get into some some chat rooms and you could sit there and chat all night and people were generally, you know, nice and helpful and you didn't really find too many dicks and then there were nights where you're just being a pain in the ass to everybody else and having so much fun that, you know, you couldn't really do things like that anywhere else. There was no other medium or platform. So it was just, it was an amazing time. So simple. Good summary. So you leave AOL and what, like 20, 20 years later or something? What, what happened? Like, what, what what was the emphasis to say, like, hey, maybe I should try to get AOL to work again? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was just a couple of years ago, actually, with the COVID situation and all that. I've been suffering from depression pretty much all my life. And then starting to uh, lose work hours. I was already struggling with bills, you know, going through a bankruptcy, you know, getting really depressed. Had to take time off work to like get my mind right. And I was uh, was kind of just chilling in my computer chair, trying to like you know talk myself down, just 
relax myself. You know, everything's going to be okay. You'll be fine. And um, it was during those times where I spent most of the time going back to the 90s and like the best times of my life, you know, being being a teenager and, you know, learning how to work with computers and build computers and AOL. And I, I was always finding myself going back to AOL and the time I had on AOL and I was like, there's nothing like that anymore. You know, all the stuff we have now is like, it's not like AOL. You have all these mediums for communications and chat and stuff, but you, you can't really write any cool programs for them. You can write scrapers and all that other crap, but I mean, it's not even fun. So I was like, I'll see if AOL still around. Cause like I had no idea. So I searched, found out that they shut down like in 2017 or 2018, something like that. And I was like, oh shit. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to search around and look for old AOL stuff. Maybe I can find my program. Maybe I can see what happened back then, just reminiscing on past times. And uh, I'd, I'd noticed because I'd, oh, I'd been doing it for a week or so, I'd noticed that my depression was like pretty much gone while I was doing this. Like I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. I was just, having a good time going back to those days. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to learn how to, uh, how to make a server and get connected again, maybe bring back the medium that, you know, I loved that started me into my joys of programming. So that's what I did. I, I set out to, uh, figure out how it all worked. Cause at the time I had searched for a server. Does anybody have a private server started or anything? And, I didn't find anything. There was a Phoenix project, but it seemed to focus on, on aim. And I was like, I don't want that. I want AOL. So that's what I, I did. I just found a whole bunch of information all over the internet, just searching, spent like three months just searching, learning. Um, it was, a, I've come across a, a document by God's misfit. that kind of broke down the P3 protocol kind of laid it out for you like how how you have to format the packets and do the crc on on them and what you needed to do in order to um connect with the client to some degree anyways i have to figure the handshake out on my own but so yeah it was god god's misfits document that pretty much accelerated the server to where it is today once you found the document and you saw the packet format, how did you decide like what language to use? Because the last it sounds like the last language you had used was Visual Basic. Is that right? Or were you programming professionally before this? Oh no. Yeah, I'll I'll make it clear to everybody. Like I am not a professional programmer at all. I wouldn't even consider myself to be like a hobbyist programmer because I don't spend a lot of time doing it because of my ADD. So I'm like all over the place. But uh, the last language that I had, had learned and actually done anything with was Lua. And that was because I was playing WoW, or World of Warcraft, and uh, Ruins of Magic. And I made some mods for those games. But that was, you know, that was years, years gone past, 10 years since that. All of that knowledge was kind of like leaking away. So how did you decide what language to use to interact with AOL? 
Uh, well, I remember reading a magazine by uh, Hacker 2600 magazine, the Hackers Quarterly. And it was either in one of one of their quarterly magazines or one of their uh, their live prod- podcasts that they did, where uh, Emmanuel Goldstein, Goldstein was talking about Python, and he was thinking that it was going to be a really good language and that everybody should learn it. But this was like back in the nineties, so I, I didn't really go have a look at it back then. I always told myself I really need to like check it out and see what he's talking about. So it was kind of that memory that that kind of was like, okay, you know what? Well, now's the time to learn Python. So so yeah, that's why I decided to use Python. So you hadn't used Python before? No. And how did you go from Python newbie novice to being able to like craft packets and stuff? <laughs> dedication <laughs> you know kind of uh because i because it became so passionate about what i was doing because of how it was kind of like taking away my depression i was just like okay i can't i can't stop you know i need to keep going because you know i'm obviously you know going down the right path here because my depression is gone so i mean i found something that i'm enjoying so i'm just going to keep going so I just spent every minute that I could that I wasn't doing something with my family or work, working on the server, learning about it, uh, learning the FDO 91 language, which was a must. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to figure out the uh, whole packet streams. So, Can you talk about the authentication portion of it? Oh, like finding the handshake or getting the handshake for the first time? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh oh my god. You know, up and up until that point it was like three and a half months or whatever. I was just coming on to my my last few days of being off on sick leave. And I was like, damn it, you know, I haven't gotten a handshake yet. What the hell am I doing wrong? And I like was up till like three, four in the morning just doing everything, formatted formatting the packets, you know, sending different types of packets to the client and uh, just watching what the client did in response, and I, uh, I was trying to follow what God Smith uh, laid out in his document about, like you know what what you need to do, like the, the uh, type of tokens, the SC token and the DD token and stuff like that. Which, which I mean, okay, I'm doing that, but I wasn't formatting things right, and I, and um, there was an FDO document that I was missing. And I think it was the uh, async async document for uh, the FDO ninety one. I was missing, so I didn't understand what the async um, streams were, or the tokens, or any of the protocol for that particular bit. But I had I had found uh, I had finally found one digging through um, the AL arc or sorry um, onlinearchives.org or whatever the hell it was. I downloaded a bunch of those and I was digging through there looking for stuff and I found more of the, the FTO 91 documents. So I'd, I'd studied those for a long time and I knew what I was, knew what I was doing, but the, the async one I, I'd just gotten, I think it was the async one. One of them anyway was key. So I'd reformatted and recompiled the packets 
I guess it's about like 3.30 in the morning or something. Everybody's sleeping. It's just me down in, down in my dungeon basement. And uh, I start sending these packets. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the client kind of just wakes up. The sign-on screen goes away. You know, and then the bar, the bar on the top with all the icons, it didn't, it didn't highlight or anything like that. But uh, the handshake was successful, and I got a response back from the client with, uh, I can't remember, an SC packet or something like that. But yeah, it was like three thirty in the morning after like three and a half months of trying to get this to work. So I was like jumping around down in the basement, shaking my hands, wanting to scream, yeah. But I couldn't because everybody was sleeping. So, and I kind of uh, I tell people that it was like my Mark Watney moment, like from um, the Martian movie, when he's uh, he's all by himself out there with the uh, Pathfinder, and he finally gets it working. He's pointing at Earth, and he finally gets that connection with Earth, and he's out there and he's jumping, waving his hands, but there's like nobody there, nobody around. So yeah, it was pretty exciting. It was, it was really exciting. That sounds really exciting. So once you got authentication working, when did you decide that you were going to start telling people about it? A good year after before I decided to tell anybody that I was doing it because I got authentication then i started figuring out how i can send fdos to fully wake up the client so that the menu bar at the top would fill up and become usable and then how to uh, bring up the welcome window and how to bring up the buddy list and how to do ims and how to join uh, chat rooms it wasn't until i pretty much got all of that figured out that i decided you know i'm, I'm gonna make a going to make a YouTube and I'm going to put it on YouTube and see what happens. And, um, I did that, but that, that was about a year and a year and a bit after I had started. And like, I got like one or two likes every or one or two views in a month or whatever. And I was like, yeah, bummer. Nobody's interested, but I was like, whatever, I'm just going to keep going. And then, um, just, one day out of the blue, I get this notification. This guy called uh, Tommy D he sent me a message being like, hey, man, uh, what a coincidence. I was just working on one, too. Let's uh, you know, let's connect on Discord. And so, yeah, and then I met Tommy Doyle. He, he kind of like uh, subtly encouraged me to keep going just by, you know, constantly like being there. You know, I'd ask him things or I'd talk to him randomly or he'd talk to me randomly. And it was uh, encouraging. I have a lot to thank to Tommy Doyle. Otherwise, I, pro I probably would have gave up a while ago because I wasn't getting any likes or anything like that on YouTube. But Tommy definitely uh, kept me going for sure. Yeah, feedback's totally important. Because uh, it sounds like, you know, you got pulled towards your goal. Sometimes like, you know, the goal pulls you, mm -hmm. you got it working and stuff and you're like, sweet, I did this. And then yeah. you're like, well, you know, now it's like, you know, kind of beyond me. It's like, does anybody care? Cause this is like a lot of work, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work. I just did. I just, all this work and then like nobody cares. I was like, there's gotta be somebody out there that 
you know, has the same nostalgic feel for this like I do. Like, come on. But yeah, I got nothing for the longest time. So then how did it blow up then? When I say blow up, I mean like if you think about like the Discord now, mm-hmm. where there'll be hundreds of people on at once, right? Uh, you guys have like a Patreon and I don't know, going from that, how do you get from just you and Tommy to where it's at now? Uh, Tommy, Tommy did it. I mean, there was one day that him and I were, we were chatting just basic. He, he called me and we kind of just had a quick little chat. And I think he kind of like sensed that I was going down to the dark path or whatever, or he could sense that I was, you know, feeling down and not as excited about it as I was before or whatever. Something like that. He's, he obviously sensed something in my voice because the next day he like messaged me back and he's like, Mike, I uh, went with, I went behind your back without your consent and I started a community for you on discord. So yeah. And then he, he like posted on uh, Facebook and some Facebook page that I still have yet to go look at because you know I'm just too busy trying to get the server going that I'm too easily distracted but yeah it was it was Tommy Doyle he he pretty much just picked my spirits up started everything and got going yeah that's great yeah and he has experience with reviving old, old things right I think he got um what's some, some retro retro games to, to communicate over modem and stuff like that as well. Yeah. He, uh, he was one of the guys that helped, uh, or one of the guys that actually, uh, decompiled, uh, or reverse engineered X band modem from back in the day from the nineties. But I mean, it never came to Canada, so I had no idea about it, but otherwise it, if it was here, I definitely would have had it. Cause I was a huge Sega fan. Yeah, that was super cool. Yeah, yeah, he brought that back. Then he's done a whole bunch of other stuff. And he works for like a AAA video game company now. So it's pretty cool. It was amazing to find all that out about him after first contacted me. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm like sitting here talking with Tommy Doyle. I'm like, holy, (laughs) never thought that would happen. That's super cool. Yeah, and that kind of brings it back to the whole Discord thing after that. Like, it was within the day that he had started the Discord and posted on Facebook that all these old time hacker guys from back in the day started popping on the Discord. And then there was like, you know, Pad came on, Zor and Frey, and then there was like Slushy and God's Misfit. And I was like, man, I've, you guys are all my fucking idols. Next time on AOL Underground. Is there ever going to be an integration chat rooms and IM, you think, with the Nina project if it launches for AOL? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'd be, that'd be awesome, you know, to have uh, the intercommunication like that for sure. But, uh, I mean, I don't know how far along they are. Hack the planet!
protect the planet. Welcome to cyberspace.